Hello, I'm Patricia. This is Sound News, broadcasting from the Old Man Studio in Church Street, Portadown. This production is for weekending Saturday the 2nd of April. On behalf of everyone here on the Craigavon Talking Newspaper team, welcome to this week's programme. The stories making the headlines this week are from the Portadown Times, Shelley on red carpet as Belfast scoops Oscar, and from the Lurgan Mail, UUP's BT wants to meet Lurgan rally organisers as they accuse him of slur. Now it's over to Carol, who brings you our first story. Pinching herself on the red carpet at the Oscars, Portadown Shelley Lowry spent Sunday night brushing shoulders with the Hollywood elite. It was Shelley who spotted talent in Jude Hill, the young superstar of Oscar-winning movie Belfast. The Guildford boy, who was back at St John's Primary School this week, started speech and drama classes with Shelley and was one of 300 boys who auditioned for the role of Buddy in the Sir Kenneth Branagh's semi-biographical movie. Shelley was invited to the Academy Awards by the producers of Belfast and went with Jude's parents, Seanine and Daryl. When I was getting ready to go, I rang my dad, Richie, and he said, Shelley, I just can't believe this. Are we family from Portadown and there is my wee girl at the Oscars. It was Mother's Day on Sunday at the Oscars and my mummy, Roisin, was dead 20 years this year. She just would have loved it and all the chat up the town after. Hollywood was buzzing with Jude, who was a real star on the red carpet and on a host of top TV and radio chat shows across America. Shelley, who runs a very successful talent agency, says there's a great deal of interest in Jude from scouts in Hollywood, but it is about making sure the next project is the right one for him. She has already set up an agent and management team for Jude in the US, but is keeping secret his future projects. Shelley said, he's a wee natural, charming, really smart, and he just loved every single minute of this experience. He has learned so much. Everyone he spoke to was charmed by him instantly. He just knew how to answer any question that was fired at him, and he took it all in his stride. He was just so grateful to be there, and he understood that this was a really special thing that was happening. He didn't take anything for granted and enjoyed every moment. In contrast, Shelley was right there when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock on stage at the Oscar ceremony. When it happened, we all looked at each other. I asked someone, was that meant to happen? But they shrugged their shoulders. Initially, we thought it was a joke. When we heard the swearing, that's when we knew. And then in the whole place, you could have heard a pin drop. It changed the atmosphere immediately. Talk about how to make 2,000 people feel awkward at the same time. We were all squirming in our seats. We all just watched the events unfold with our eyes as wide as saucers. Asked if she was close enough to hear him swearing, she said, Oh yeah, he shouted, and I mean at the top of his voice. Shelley said that when it ended, there was a concerted effort to concentrate on the winners. We should not let this overshadow the event. It is a big deal to be invited and an even bigger deal to be recognised by the Academy and your peers. The pinnacle for Shelley was meeting some of her favourite actors. I met Jane Doody Dench and told her how much I loved the programme. Who do you think you are? And had a great chat about that. 
I told her how much of an inspiration she was to my students and how much I admired her as an actor. She was so lovely. I met Troy uh, Kotzer, who won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor and was the first deaf actor ever to win an Oscar. It is a fantastic movie. He was so grateful and so humble. But it was brilliant to be there to see Ken Branner winning his first Oscar and how delighted he was. Shelley said, it was such an honour to be invited. It was the producers of the film Belfast who invited me. Myself and my assistant, Amy McVeigh, who is also from Portadown, have been working very hard with all the press requests and dealing with Focus, who are the film distributors. When Shelley left university, she went to London to work for the BBC, mostly in music television, including Top of the Pops. Shelley's mum died in 2002 and she came home to Portadown. I just didn't want to leave again. The Portadown Times was very good to me. Victor Gordon contacted me about doing an interview on Top of the Pops. I remember asking him if he would put a wee line at the bottom of the article that Shelley is going to start teaching speech and drama. She said, things went very successfully from there. We now have a studio in Portadown that runs six days a week, offering a variety of classes. We are so excited about what this means moving forward. There are opportunities out there that have never been before for young people from Northern Ireland. It is really exciting. Ulster Unionist leader Doug Beattie has requested a meeting with the organisers of an anti-protocol rally in Lurgan after they accused the Upper Ban Assembly candidate of an egregious slur upon uh, protest organisers and supporters. Lurgan United Unionist issued a statement, also posted on social media, in which they said that Mr Beattie was wrong to suggest those involved in recent rallies were rabble-rousers. The Loyalist grouping, comprising members from all the main loyal orders and several bands, has organised a protest against the post-Brexit trading arrangements in Lurgan on April the 8th. Their statement says, Mr Beattie cites as a reason for his withdrawal from the anti-protocol rallies his belief that they are harnessing anger and increasing tensions. To suggest that the protest rallies are anything other than a peaceful and dignified expression of loyalist opposition to the protocol is an egregious slur upon those who have organised, attended and addressed such events. In response, a UUP spokesman said that rising tensions and some of the rhetoric associated with the rallies had led to Mr Beatty's decision not to attend. The Ulster Unionist Party absolutely respects the right of anyone to protest in a lawful and peaceful manner, the spokesman said. The party leader has written to the Lurgan United Unionists to ask them to meet with him to discuss their concerns. Amid rising tensions and in the light of some of the rhetoric that has been used, we will no longer be participating in anti-protocol rallies. Contrary to some of the wild and inaccurate claims made in the statement, we remain resolute in our opposition to a border in the Irish Sea. Given what happened to the party leader's office in Portadown, that's when the window was damaged, we do not wish to be part of raising tensions in the community. Calm heads are needed now. Rotochemist, 
During the week ahead, urgent prescriptions will be dispensed at the following addresses, starting with Portadown. On Sunday the 3rd of April, the chemist is Anderson of Guildford Road, open from 11am to 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 4th of April, the chemist is Cherrymount of Church Street, open until 7pm. There is no rotochemist in Portadown after Wednesday. Lurgan residents can collect prescribed medicines. On Sunday the 3rd of April, the chemist is Partridge of High Street, open from 7 to 8pm. And next week, from Monday the 4th of April, the chemist is McKegney of North Street, open until 7pm. There is no rotochemist in Lurgan on Wednesday and none in either town on Saturday. Sunday opening applies in both towns for public holidays. A 36-year-old Lurgan man who was convicted of sexually assaulting a child has been jailed at Craigavon Crown Court. Judge Rosanne McCormick QC said the man could not be named due to a jigsaw effect which would mean the victim might be identified. At sentencing last Friday, the judge outlined the case against the defendant who stood accused of sexual communication with a child, meeting a child following sexual grooming and sexual assault of a child under 13 years of age. All charges related to incidents taking place between March 1st, 2017 and May 31st, 2017. Judge McCormick said the defendant, who is 19 years older than the victim, was convicted by a jury on January 20th, 2022, after a trial during which he pleaded not guilty. Prior to sentencing, the judge said of the victim, This court acknowledges her courage and resilience in making her complaint to police and then participating in the trial. Judge McCormick said the defendant's attitude in denying the offence had had exacerbated tensions in an already dysfunctional situation. She said, I hope that the acknowledgement of the defendant to Dr Bones, as reported by me yesterday in the form of the quotation, I am disgusted with myself for doing what the girl said I did, will help the victim in coming to terms with the betrayal of trust experienced and how the defendant exploited and abused her. The defendant has now accepted his wrongdoing and he has vindicated the victim's complaint. The judge referred to the defendant's 25 previous convictions, including nine for dishonesty, three for road traffic offences and four physical assaults. At the time of his sexual offending, he was in breach of a suspended sentence. Judge McCormick said the defendant would message a victim via Facebook Messenger. On, the, on one occasion, she said, he encouraged her to skip school and to come and stay with him in his flat. On one occasion, he sent a message with a question whether she had ever kissed anyone or if she had ever had sex. She was 12 at the time. The next day, when she did go to his flat, he asked, do you want to? She understood that to equate to his invitation to try kissing and sex. In the course of that incident, he breathed on her neck, tickled her and he sexually assaulted her by touching her leg. She protested and got up off the sofa and he persuaded her to sit down again, saying he was only missing. She sat down, he persisted in touching her. She made for the door and he made her delete the sexualised messages he had sent her before she left his home. The judge said she agreed with the prosecution that the defendant aspired to have sexual intercourse with the victim. 
The court heard the impact this offending had had on the victim, including a breakdown in the family unit, loss of employment, compromised educational achievement and psychological impact, including suicidal thoughts. The judge concluded the defendant's offending had caused significant harm to the victim. Of the defendant, the judge said, this man has had prolonged struggles with gambling, alcohol and various prescription medication. He has suffered anxiety and depression. However, she noted that there was no reference to the defendant seeking medical advice prior to January 2018. Judge McCormick said, I believe he poses a high risk of general reoffending. I consider that he does present a moderate to high priority for supervision and for intervention to address potential sexual reoffending. I do not consider that he poses a significant risk of serious harm under the 2008 at this point in time. And sentencing the defendant, she said, she was taking into account the fact that he chose not to enter a guilty plea. His remorse has come very late in the day, she said. On counts two and three of the meeting a child following sexual grooming and sexual assault of a child under 13 years of age, she sentenced the defendant to three years, 12 months in custody and two years on licence, so that he could participate in the two-year Horizon programme as laid out by the probation service. On count one of sexual communication with a child, he was sentenced to 12 months. He was made the subject of a sexual offences prevention order and disqualified from working with children. He was also placed on the sex offenders register for life. Judge McCormick said, this is necessary as you have demonstrated a sexual interest in children. He is also banned from having a phone or other device capable of messaging or which facilitates internet access without prior approval of his designated risk manager. Judge McCormick said, added, in order to preserve the lifetime anonymity of the victim, I refrain from identifying the defendant or the victim by name, and I trust that everyone involved in this matter will be equally scrupulous and will ensure that no step is taken on social media or otherwise which could identif identify the victim of this offending, who is entitled to and will have lifetime anonymity. I hope I make myself clear. Community Awards. Equality and Good Relations Award uh, was um, given to TADA Rural Network, a voluntary rural community development support service that has more than 30, 20 years provided information, advocacy, capacity building and partnership working. During the pandemic, TADA has provided food deliveries and wellness packs to those most, most vulnerable. Community Safety Award, Kidi First Responders, established to attend scenes of emergency and to offer first aid until paramedics, doctors arrive. They act in a professional and highly trained manner and they support one another after the event. Equality and Good Relations Award, WAHEP, formally established as an independent organisation in 1999, and representing and providing services for the Chinese community in County Armagh. WAHEP means Chinese self-help. The association is focused on improving the lives of the Chinese community and all minority ethnic groups. It runs a youth work service and a 50-plus group. Under 18 Youth Volunteer, 
Lorcan Lavery has progressed from being a member of Lawrence Town's summer scheme to training to become a junior leader in 2021, participating in child safeguarding training and leader training. Volunteer of the Year, Amy McCrickard has been group leader with 7th Drumore Scouts for five years. She's a single mother with three young children, two of whom have autism. Youth Champion Award, founded more than 40 years ago, Ahaveli Youth Club outside Milford Armagh has more than 100 members from primary one up to young adult. It provides children and young people with a safe and welcoming environment to participate in a varied programme of activities. Innovation Award, Incredible or Incredible has been working in the community and voluntary sector for more than 20 years with the purpose of creating meaningful social, recreational and educational opportunities for people with learning intellectual disabilities and or autism. Health and Wellbeing Award, Kiddies Men's Shed, receives a small amount of funding but sell their produce to cover rent and running costs. Up to 20 men meet each Wednesday to make furniture, flower pots, benches, kennels, wishing wells and grave accessories. There are two more pictures here as Guildford Lodge marks 150 years. In the first picture, Lord Mayor of Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon, Alderman Glen Barr is pictured with former officers, members and friends at a recent celebration of the 150 years of Guildford Independent Heroes, LOL 216, which runs from 1870-2020 and included in the first photograph is Councillor Paul Greenfield. In the second photograph, we have the Lord Mayor again, this time pictured with Councillor Paul Greenfield and Brian Truesdale, who's the organiser, and Timothy Mays, who's the secretary at the celebration of Guildford Independent Heroes, LOL 216. Now for uh, news about elective representatives. Upper Ban MP Carla Lockhart has voiced hopes that the new online safety bill could offer some protection against internet scam artists. This after a couple were swindled out of almost £80,000 in a bank transfer scam. The pair from Armagh were duped after receiving a call from a person claiming they were from the fraud squad of police in London. The man was told his account had been hacked and to check it. When he noticed a transaction on his account he did not make, he was told to create a separate account to transfer funds. Both the man and his wife did this and in a matter of minutes, £77,000 was transferred from their accounts. The PSNI said inquiries into the issue were ongoing. Miss Lockhart meanwhile said legislation was required to tackle the problem. Online fraud has, an in has increased massively in the last few years, particularly with lockdown when people began using their devices a lot more. I know a gentleman who was scammed out of £200,000. Any legislation that comes forward in terms of the online safety bill needs to include scamming and it needs to include robust protections. PSNI inspector Mark Conway said 
Any amount of money lost to a scammer is a horrible experience. In this particular case, where such a significant amount of money has been taken, it is devastating. This couple have been conned out of their hard-earned cash, tens of thousands of pounds. We can only imagine how distressing and traumatic this ordeal is for them. I wish to appeal to people that on no account should anyone disclose their personal or financial details over the phone. Please be on your guard. Scammers are relentless and are constantly finding ways and means to con people. O'Dowd calls for health worker travel expenses rise. Sinn Féin's John O'Dowd has called on the, the Department of Health to urgently increase travel expenses for health workers, social care workers, district nurses and domiciliary workers simply cannot afford to put fuel in their cars as they go about their job providing much-needed care in the community, he said. Greg Avon Area Hospital on my own constituency employs staff from a very wide geographical area and in a time when they are under a great deal of pressure from fuel costs, living costs and the ongoing pandemic. It is imperative that their life-saving work is prioritized and that they don't have to worry about the cost of making it to their place of employment. A voted down public representative was met with a round of applause from council colleagues following confirmation that Stormont is to deliver a child's funeral fund. Announced on Mother's Day, which was Sunday, March 27th, by the Department for <coughs> Communities, the fund will help families in Northern Ireland pay the cost of a child's funeral. It will offer a one-off payment of £3,056 to all families regarding of their financial situation for the death of any child under the age of 18 years and will also be available in the event of a stillbirth after 24 weeks. Commenting on the announcement at the Council's monthly meeting on Monday evening, Councillor Julie Flaherty told the Chamber how it has been a long emotional road to get this fund introduced and thanked everyone in the Council for their continued support. This is a quest I have been on since I first brought the issue to committee here in 2018, said Councillor Flaherty. I have been very frustrated and impatient at times and I have been so very angered at times but I always knew it was the right thing to do a good thing to do and the compassionate thing to do. I want to take this chance to thank the Chief Executive, Roger Wilson, and Council Officers in Environmental Services, Cemetery Management and Registration for taking the issue so seriously, sensitively and having worked so hard to implement our own scheme of mitigation here in ABC Council. It has been said to me that sometimes I use my grief and should move on, but as I have said before, I will never act and I don't want to. I ask for these things because it is the life I have lived and my experience. I hope the experience that we had with Jake has shaped us in some way and that the Child Funeral Fund will be welcome comfort to any parent who might need to avail of it in the future. Our party colleague, Councillor Jill McCauley, praised Councillor Flaherty's efforts in what she described as a trailblazing campaign and said this is a great example of good policies in action. Sinn Féin Group Leader Councillor Liam Mackell also commended Councillor Flaherty's determination and said confirmation of the establishment of the fund was a real victory for we Jake. I would like to commend Minister Deirdre Hargey, MLA, 
as well, as I know she was determined to get it across the line before she left office, and Mother's Day was an appropriate day to get it there, so well done, he said. Acknowledging that he and Councillor Flaherty do not always see eye to eye, DUP Group Leader Councillor Mark Baxter was full of praise for the UUP councillor, telling the Chamber that round of applause said it all. On this issue, I think it's fair to say without Councillor Flaherty's input, we would not be where we are, said Councillor Baxter. I don't believe the announcement would have been made had it not been for your efforts, and I think we all have to take our hats off to you. You said earlier when you get the bit between your teeth, officers will know about it, and you certainly did not let this one go, and the tenacity has won through. Well done to you, Julie. Congratulations. Alliance Party Councillor Peter Lavery said Councillor Flaherty was the first person he thought of when he heard the announcement, praised her tireless campaigning on the issue and said he was hopeful the fund will be of some comfort to those who need to access it in the future. SDLP Group Leader Councillor Thomas O'Hanlon said he too thought of Councillor Flaherty as soon as he heard the news and described the timing of the announcement as very poignant. Maybe it was a wee message from someone up above to say, well done, Ma, you got there in the end, he said. I will not be bullied or intimidated, UUP leader Doug Beatty said after the window of his constituency office in Portadown was smashed. A concrete block was thrown at the main window of the Bridge Street office at the weekend. Sergeant Berry said... It was reported that some time between 8.30pm on Sunday, March the 27th and 8.30am on Monday, March the 28th, a concrete block was thrown at the main window of a property at Bridge Street in the town. Inquiries are at an early stage and I appeal to anyone who may have witnessed any suspicious activity or have any information which could assist to contact the police on 101. Over the weekend, Mr. Beatty announced his part would no longer be take his party would no longer be taking part in mass protest rallies against the Northern Ireland Protocol, which he said were starting to raise the political temperature. On Tuesday, he told Portadown Times the Ulster Unionist Party has been clear on its position in respect to the protocol. It is not working and needs to be replaced and we will continue work with whoever we need to to fix the issues we face. Our decision to stop attending protocol rallies is a reaction to raise tensions. And the reaction to my announcement was a brick being put through my constituency office window and this simply highlights the raised tensions we are seeing on our streets. Nobody was hurt and I will be able to replace the pane of glass. What we will not be able to do is repair the damage that is being inflicted on our community by paramilitaries. I will not be bullied, I will not be intimidated and I will not be led by the nose by some who think that their way is the only way. I will continue to deal with the issue of the protocol through engagement and will be willing to meet any group, any community or any organisation in any indoor venue to discuss how I believe we can deal with the protocol, Mr Beatty added. Face masks to be scrapped in schools after Easter. Face coverings will no longer be required in Northern Ireland's post-primary schools from next month. The requirement for pupils to wear face coverings in classrooms was removed on March 21st. 
Stormont Education Minister Michelle McConveen has since announced that they will not be required on post-primary school premises when pupils return after the Easter break. Ms. McGovern said the further change in policy takes place in the context of a broadly improving epidemiological landscape in schools. However, she warned that the virus is continuing to circulate in communities and schools. We should continue to reduce the risks of COVID in our schools through the range of other mitigating measures that remain in place to protect all pupils and staff, she said. Sinn Féin election candidate Councillor Liam Mackel says action must be taken now to protect the health service. For over a decade, he said, Tory austerity has eroded health and social care services. Staff now feel these cuts are making their life-saving work almost impossible. Above all else, the NHS needs investment and needs recruitment of staff to give patients the best care possible. We are all paying the price of Tory underfunding and attempts to dismantle the NHS. Unfortunately, the three-year budget has been blocked by the DUP's reckless decision to collapse the executive. Sinn Féin is committed to investing in health, tackling waiting lists and ensuring you can see a GP when you need one. This is a key component in our vision of a new and agreed Ireland. Sinn Féin is firmly committed to health and social care services now and in the future. Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council officers have been warned by two Portadown councillors how the problems at Kernan Cemetery will be raised at every opportunity until they are fixed. In line with council policy, Section C of the cemetery, which opened in 2018, uses a plastic mesh as walkway instead of a solid footpath. However, the ground at the cemetery is not as firm as had been hoped and this has resulted in some distressing scenes and numerous complaints from members of the public. Speaking at the Council's monthly meeting on Monday evening, DUP Councillor Darren Cosby thanked the local authority's Head of Estates and Asset Management, Jonathan Hayes, for arranging a site visit open to councillors, consultants and the wider department to discuss the best way to develop a network of paths in Section C of the cemetery. However, he also made it clear that he would ensure the council's officer team complete the work required in a timely manner. Obviously, this has taken some time to go through the process, but I just want to put on record my thanks to Jonathan Hayes, who has taken this issue by the scruff of the neck to move it as fast as we can said Councillor Cosby. I want to thank him for coordinating the meeting with the consultants, the wider department and elected members last week to progress this. I also want to say again that I intend to raise the issue of Kernan Cemetery at every single committee meeting and appropriate council meeting to make sure we do progress this issue in a timely fashion so that timescales are not missed on this matter. UUP councillor Julie Flaherty said she was in agreement with councillor Cosby and warned that she too would raise the issue at every possible opportunity. I want to echo, echo councillor Cosby's remarks about the site visit, she said. It was very useful in a number of ways. I am quite familiar with the site and commend the staff 
who are working on it on a daily basis for trying so hard. When the site visit ended and members dispersed, I was then approached by two ladies who were visiting the grave and had seen us at that site visit. They were too afraid to come over to us, but that just absolutely cemented in me that we have got to see this through. I don't want to be uh, doorstepped about this issue constantly when I am at this cemetery for a different reason, and that is what is happening to me. I am sorry to be personal about it, but I am a little confused about the timescales of this. So along with Councillor Cosby, I also will be raising this at every opportunity. You will be hearing a lot about this between Councillor Cosby and myself, I assure you. Election is a chance to break a cycle of crisis. Alliance Upper Ban Assembly candidate Councillor Aon Tennyson says the forthcoming election is a chance for the public to break the cycle of crisis seen over the past mandate. This is the most important election since the Good Friday Agreement, he said. It will decide not just, not just how our institutions will function over the next five years, but whether they will function at all. It comes in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis, severe pressures on our health service, the need for managed recovery of public services, business and our community after two years of the pandemic. Mr. Tennyson said there was a chance to do things differently and better rather than maintain what he called a constant cycle of crisis and self selfish political stunts. He added, people want stability and a focus on progress and delivery. That's what Alliance is offering in this election. Together we can fix the health service, integrate our children's education and deliver a Green New Deal. Together we can inspire hope, not fear, fight poverty and in equality, not each, not each other. SDLP Upper Bands Dolores Kelly has submitted her nomination papers to contest the assembly mm. polls. Mrs Kelly said this election offers a chance to break the cycle of crisis and collapse perpetuated by the DUP and Sinn Féin. Upper Ban is changing and for the first time ever we can elect a majority of progressive MLAs. To do that, I am asking the people of Upper Ban to once again give me their support. The truth is, people deserve more than the two terrible choices they have been stuck with for 15 years. People deserve far better than a choice between bad government and no government. They deserve a new normal, a politics that puts people first. Tackling the cost of living crisis, health and housing are all priorities for the SDLP. Hot tempers at Stormont will not heat a single home in Upper Ban. The DUP should be ashamed that families have been so badly let down by collapsing the executive. The DUP has selected sitting upper ban MLS Diane Dodds and Jonathan Buckley to stand in the forthcoming assembly election. Diane Dodds thanked the people of upper ban for their support and committed and uh, to continuing to deliver on the issues that matter. It is a huge honour and privilege to have been selected to take forward the DUP's positive version in a uh, positive vision in this assembly election for my home constituency of Upper Ban. 
an area in which I was born and raised, an area in which I raised my family and an area in which I still live today. Jonathan Buckley added, Upper Ban is a place that I am proud to call home and I truly believe in this area and its people. It boasts a growing and successful business base and strong educational opportunities. My focus is on making this an even better place to live, work and play. Ray of Review Progress Welcome says Kelly. Recent progress on the All-Ireland Strategic Rail Review will be welcomed by people in Upper Band and across Northern Ireland. The SDLP's Dolores Kelly has said, We all know the difference a modern rail network would make to our people and communities, said the outgoing Upper Band MLA. Ireland once had a thriving rail network right across the island, and there's no reason we shouldn't aim to return to that. The benefits are clear. Improved rail transport links would facilitate better, better con connectivity between our major towns and cities, increase our tourism operation, and make it easier to attract investment. PCR testing for most people with COVID-19 symptoms will stop in Northern Ireland from April the 22nd. Health Minister Robin Swan recently announced a number of changes to policy which included the closure of the publicly accessible COVID testing sites. Mr Swan said a more targeted approach to testing would be introduced on a phased basis from next month, with a focus on supporting and protecting those at highest risk of serious illness. He added that testing would continue to be available for those eligible for COVID treatments. Under the new policy, PCR testing will cease for the most people with symptoms from April the 22nd, although free lateral flow tests will continue to be available to the public to use should they develop symptoms. Lateral flow tests will also continue to be available free of charge to support those living in, working in or visiting a high-risk setting such as a care home until the end of June, with a further review then. The Minister said the new policy reflects the new realities of the pandemic. A Portadown meat factory has submitted a planning application seeking permission to erect a cold store at its premises. Lodged by agent David Hare, Agricultural Architectural Design, on behalf of applicant Universal Meat Company, the application seeks permission to extend the side of a house to provide a cold store, office, toilets and concrete hard standing to the front of the cold store and the extension of curtilage and associated site works. The location for this proposed work is listed as 17A Derry Coos Road, Portadown, and the application form notes this is a 0.98 hectare site uh, is home to an existing meat processing plant. The cold storage will be used for freezer storage of meat products and it is hoped the extension will add a total of 1,568 square metre floor space to the premises, which currently has a total of 1,972.35 square metre of floor space. Lodged on February the 22nd, the application will be advertised until Friday, April the 8th. Deaths in the community, uh, and it says here, Forster, 
March 29th, 2022, peacefully at Hospital Neville. Dearly and dearly loved husband of Olive, 15, Bray Lodge, Portadown. Much loved father of Carol and Trevor. Interred St. John's Parish Churchyard, Lisnadil, Thursday, 31st March. Lovingly remembered by his soaring wife, daughter, son and all the family circle, which is far better. The death has taken place of Mervyn Gordon White, who was well known and highly respected in many aspects of life throughout the Portadown area. Born in Belfast in 1932, he was the son of Mary McMorris and Samuel White. During his childhood, Mervyn straddled three locations, Fermanagh, his mother's home, Belfast and Portadown. He settled in Portadown and married Dinah Downey in 1955. They were happily married for 40 years until her death in 1996, aged 61. During his working life, Mervyn was a railway clerk, insurance salesman with Prudential Insurance, and spent the last 20 years prior to retirement in food sales with Moy Park and farm-fed poultry firms. He was a man of many varied interests and accumulated a wide circle of friends as a result. He was a leading pigeon fancier, racing in Portadown Invitation Flying Club for many years. His specialism was long distance racing and he achieved many accolades in a successful career. He was a keen football fan and followed Portadown Football Club throughout his life and was a constant presence at home games right up until his death. Mervyn was a member of Portadown Probus Club, Portadown Masonic Lodge and attended Edenderry Methodist Church singing in the church choir for many years. In 2018, he received the Mayor's Award from Craigavon Borough Council for his contribution to the local community, principally through his interest in choral music. He also supported local arts and was a frequent presence at the annual Portadown Festival each year. Mervyn was a member of Portadown Male Voice Choir for well over 60 years and was deputy conductor for many of those years, as well as secretary and various other positions. He will be long remembered in Portadown as a familiar and popular family man and local character. He is survived by his two sons, Philip and Nigel, daughters-in-law Lisa and Marieka, and grandchildren Sam, Oliver, Hannah and Sophie. We have a couple of adverts and some information for you. So this is diary time. The first one, yet hopping into a Get Active ABC Easter. There's Easter events which you have to book online at for Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Council. You've to get Active ABC sweet treats and you've to go to getactiveabc.com forward slash spring. And they're advertising sports camps, egg hunts, fishing, gymnastics. Perhaps not for you, but maybe for the children or grandchildren. That's the first one. The second one we have is Portadown Ladies Choir are having their 70th annual concert in Portadown Town Hall on Friday the 8th of April 2022 at 8pm when the compare will be Gary Wilson and the tenor is 
Peter Harris and the pianist is Sarah Jo Loney. Tickets are £10 and available from choir members, Winnie's newsagent, which is in Woodhouse Street in Portadown, or you can pay at the door. And the third and final piece of information in this category. The cafe at Loch Ney Discovery Centre has been downgraded to a coffee shop for the foreseeable future, Armagh, Banbridge and Craigavon Council recently revealed. The cafe was known as a popular spot for visitors to the Discovery Centre, as well as those visiting Oxford Island. No reason was given as to why it should now be operating only as a coffee shop. A council statement read, We would like to advise the public that the cafe in Loch Ney Discovery Centre will be operating as a coffee shop only, with no hot food provision available, and that includes the carvery, for the foreseeable future. We apologise for any inconveniences may cause and will update when fully, full service resumes. Customers and visitors to the cafe have voiced dismay and upset at this decision. And now we come to sport. Portadown-based construction company Turkington will sponsor the Thursday evening Superstock race at the 2022 Phonacab and Nickel Oils Northwest 200 this year. The local firm is renewing a celebrated association with the North Coast event, which runs from May the 8th to the 14th. Not only did Turkington sponsor the Superbike race in 1991, but through Harry Turkington, we kindly donated the famous Turkington Tunnel, Operations Director Gary Turkington said. Following the careful assembly of the 70 tons jigsaw puzzle, the new tunnel was warmly welcomed as a major safety improvement by providing safer and easier access from the paddock to the grid. Over 30 years on, we have cemented our relationship with the fantastic Northwest 200 team, coming back to support and sponsor the Superstock race. A special plaque was recently unveiled at the tunnel entrance by Trevor and Gary Turkington to, to mark the occasion of its construction. I have fond memories of the 1992 Northwest 200 when our company sponsored Philip McCallan, Gary Turkington added. Philip became the only rider to win five races in a day at the Northwest, a record that still remains unbeaten. As keen followers of road racing, we are very excited to be part of this thrilling spectacle once again and are especially proud to be returning as sponsors of the Turkington Superstock Race. The diverse, multi-skilled company has been responsible for many prestigious developments throughout Northern Ireland since 1951, including the new DERA headquarters in Ballykelly, the Jaguar Land Rover showroom in Belfast, and the Ulster University student accommodation at Coleraine and Jordanstown. Turkington are old friends of the Northwest 200, and we are delighted to have the company back on board. Event Director Mervyn White said. Their company livery has been to the fore during significant moments in the history of the Northwest 200 and will be back on display in 2022. Edwards seals spoils at Irish MX opener. Dubliner Stuart Edmonds on the Apico Husqvarna was the overall winner at the opening round of the Irish MX champion, Championship at um, Vernon Cork. Fastest in qualifying, the 
Husqvarna rider was third in race one and a, and a winner in race two. John Mira was second overall and was delighted with a win and a third for second overall. Second overall is in a bad comeback. He smiled. Two second places for Phonics Tools, Even Strokes, Kawasaki rider Jason Mira gave the Lock Brickland man third overall. In the BW85 class Oma schoolboy Lewis Spratt on the McCullough Centra KTM ran out the overall winner thanks to wins in the opening two races and a second due to a puncture in race three. Tinker Hill hosted the opening round of the Ulster Quad Sidecar Championship and it was Hillsborough rider Mark McLaren who claimed the overall Premier Quad class on the Davy Ray prepared Walsh CRF 450. Moira's Dean Dillon who led the charge in race one followed by McLaren. Through bright sunshine and thick dust they fought for the lead and never more than half a second separating them before the British champion McLaren made his move at half race distance. From then on, it was a one-horse race as McLaren stretched his advantage to over four seconds at the chequered flag. The dust was so bad it was like eating ten crackers with no cheese, joked McLaren. Race two produced another win for McLaren, who led from start to finish. It was a long day to only get two races, said McLaren, referring to the issues with the timing that led to the final set of races being cancelled. Dylan was happy with his two second places. I ho-shotted race one and when Mark got past I settled for second, he said. I collided with David Cowan in race two at the first corner and Mark was away. I pulled a gap and although David was on a charge near the end, I followed my pit board to finish second. Third place in both races became a battle between Bambridge rider Cowan and Combers' Justin Reid. At the end of the day it was Cowan who claimed third overall. I need to pull my finger out this weekend at Tandragee, he said. Race one's third place finisher read. In race two, David, that's David Cowan, was trying to avoid Dean Dillon and braked hard coming out of turn one. I was pushed into the back of him and I was near last away after that. My setup wasn't ideal, so I just settled for fourth. It was a usual battle in the sidecars between Neil Campbell, Ross Graham and Gary Mould, Steve Kerwin, who was standing in for regular passenger Lewis Gray. Kerwin hadn't raced for over two years, but it didn't show. Moulds hit the front with four laps to go in race one and by the flag he had over 20 seconds to spare over Campbell. Race two and again Campbell led on the opening laps before Moulds took the lead three laps in. The Lisbon driver was sidelined with a broken gearbox leaving Campbell to cruise home for the overall. I was more than happy with their performance but disappointed that the gearbox broke in race two, said Moulds. Campbell added, It was a tough day as I had suffered from back problem all week, but I'm extremely happy to have come away with the overall. Second overall was Jonathan Wilson and Andrew Rowan, with Dean Falcon and Curtis Beck, the top three. Josh McKnight claimed the overall in the semi-experts, while 16-year-old Tandra Gear rider Jack Minish was a winner of the Y3 youth quads. His 13-year-old brother Harry was third. Jamie Cowan took the overall in the Y1 youth class with Rory Farron first in the Y2 youth class. 
Manager Michael Smith gave young Matthew McCartan his first senior start for Lurgan Celtic at right-back, with Tyler Burns returning at left-back. Hawhane, Devereaux and keeper Conway completing the defence. In midfield were Gilmore, McConville, Toman and Niall Lavery. Behind strike duo Withers and uh, Dwyer Lavery. FC men mind well are an experienced side with undoubted talent. So it was always going to be a big ask for Celtic, one they were keen to answer. They started in positive fashion, moving the ball with pace and purpose and denying the Mindwell team time and space. Dwyer Lavery and Withers were causing problems for the visitors' defenders and it was no surprise that Celtic took the lead with just over a quarter of an hour played. Niall Lavery heading his brother Dwyer's corner kick into the far corner of the net. Minutes later, from a quick throw-in by Paddy Toman, Dwyer Lavery squared the ball across the face of the goal for an in-rushing Withers to clot it home comfortably. With Mindwell showing glimpses of the danger they could pose, there were a few feisty challenges and things boiled over not long after half an hour played when both sides were reduced to ten men. A challenge on McConville led to a melee for which both McConville and Minewell's Fearon were ordered off. Celtic regained the upper hand, though, in a further blow. Dwyer Lavery was forced off injured to be replaced by pacey winger Jonathan Douglas. Hohean and Devereaux were key in ensuring no quarter was given to the face of the Mindwell attack, whilst both McCartan and Burns tirelessly patrolled their respective flanks. Half-time came with Celtic at 2-0 to the good, but the game was by no means over. Aaron Withers' running was incessant throughout and after the restart he fired a shot just, just over. The game was firmly back in the melting pot though. In the next phase of play, as the ball made its way to the right-hand side of Mindwell's attack and a cross shot evaded the hoop's rear guard and ended up nesting in the back of the net. Mindwell started to grow in confidence and began pushing for an equaliser while uh, were becoming more cautious and conservative in their play. The experience of Gilmore, Lavery and Toman in the middle of the pack was pivotal in helping settle the Hoops team again after a period of Mindwell dominance. On the R mark, a well-worked free kick in midfield saw Lavery pick out the run of Douglas who refused to give up on the ball and hit the byline unchallenged. His cut back tucked into the net by Gilmore, who had ghosted into the box. With Celtic's two-goal lead restored, Mindwell made changes with a view to clawing something back from the game, but Douglas and Withers closed down their attacks. With 20 minutes remaining, Celtic scored another, again involving both Douglas and Withers, the latter getting free on the left of the box before drilling across the face of the goal and finding Lavery, who applied the finishing touch for his second goal of the match. It was a hammer blow to Mindwell's attempts to retain their unbeaten league status, but it was no more than Celtic deserved on the day. Indeed, Douglas could have added a fifth, but his snapshot hit the side netting. 
Jordan was brought on for Celtic to help manage the remaining 15 minutes and keeper Conway was both vocal and calm in organising the defence to see uh, out the 4-1 win. It was a thoroughly entertaining, if somewhat feisty, encounter throughout. Lurgan's Celtic managing team of Smith and McCourt will be heartened by the result and the excellent performance. Man of the match was Celtic's Niall Lavery, although Hohean in defence and Withers in attack were key components of the victory. Performance above all else. Striker turns keeper in five-goal thriller. Glenavon it's the thrilling fixture in Colorine by a 3-2 margin. Matthew Fitzpatrick's appearance featured a goal for the striker and a spell between the posts following a red card for James Taylor. Peter Campbell broke the deadlock with a fierce drive off of a Glenavon free kick. It, it was 2-0 after the interval of Jack O'Mahorny's surging run and a Fitzpatrick finish. Coleraine had efforts off the frame of the goal three times before O'Mahorny raced clear to put Glenavon into a three-goal lead. Teenage striker Kirk McLaughlin continued his recent run of impressive form by cutting the gap with a close-range close finish. An incident following the goal with Glenavon's Taylor led to a red card for the visitors' goalkeeper from referee Tim Marshall following consultation with his assistant with no substitute goalkeeper option for Glenavon. Fitzpatrick picked up the gloves and Curtis Allen scored from the penalty spot for 3-2. Coleraine suffered red as Adam Mullins' second booking of the day following a foul on Campbell. It says here Coleraine scored 2 and Glenavon 3. A new social supermarket in Lurgan aims to help people struggling with basic supplies as the cost of living soars. Similar to standard supermarkets, Freedom Foods Pantry at the Emmanuel Church building in Castle Lane is not a food bank providing free emergency supplies, but members can pay a weekly cover charge of four to six pounds in return for about 25 pounds worth of groceries, allowing them to choose a number of items from the supermarket. At the Freedom Foods official opening, Lord Mayor Alderman Glenn Barr commended the hard work of the Compassion team at Emmanuel Church, Nicola McElwain, Mervyn Johnson, Gemma Manna and Stephen Heasley in setting up the project. Among those to welcome the new social supermarket was DUP Upper Ban Assembly candidate Diane Dodds. Absolutely delighted to be with the folk at Emmanuel Church for the opening of the new Freedom Foods Pantry, she said. This is a fresh venture for the church, where so much Christian concern and compassion is shown to so many in the town. Anyone wanting to use this service should contact nicola at emmanuel-church.co.uk. Footballers to share their faith at Old Boys event. 
Irish League footballers Howard Beverland, Gethryn Barr Portadine, and Robbie Norton Glenavon, currently on loan at Anna United, will speak of their Christian faith at First Portadine Double B Old Boys Association's Bible class on Sunday, April 10th. The event will be held at 3 p.m. in Thomas Street Methodist Church Minor Hall. A warm invitation is extended to everyone interested to attend, including ladies, and refreshments will be available. The threat from coronavirus has not disappeared, Northern Ireland's chief medical officer insisted, as he reflected on two years since the introduction of lockdown. Professor Sir Michael McBride was speaking during last week's National Day of Reflection as events took place across Northern Ireland to remember the impact of the virus. Among other things, council buildings across Northern Ireland were lit up in yellow. The chief medical officer said, It is right and proper that we reflect on the terrible losses and immense sacrifices of the past two years. It's also important that we all continue to guard against complacency regarding the virus. We must keep making safer choices in our daily lives and continue to follow public health advice. That's how we protect the most vulnerable and help ease ongoing pressures on our health service. Reflecting on current attitudes to the virus, he said, there's a lot of talk about living with COVID just as we live with other infectious diseases like norovirus and flu. This does not and must not mean living as if COVID does not exist. The COVID threat has not disappeared, but it has reduced. A new state-of-the-art headquarters for the Royal Black Institution is to be officially opened this weekend. The grand opening ceremony will take place on the property at Main Street in Loch Gaul after a midday parade. Around 2,000 members of the institution will be accompanied by up to 10 bands. Sovereign Grand Master Reverend William Anderson, who will perform the ribbon-cutting ceremony to officially open the centre, said it will be a landmark day for the organisation. An exhibition entitled Our Leader's Legacy will be opened as part of the proceedings and a bust of Sir Norman Strong, a past Sovereign Grand Master, will be unveiled and dedicated. Sir Norman, a former speaker in the Northern Ireland Parliament who was awarded the Military Cross for heroism at the Somme, was murdered by the IRA in January 1981, along with his son James, also a member of the institution, at their Tynan Abbey home. It will be an emotional day, culminating as it does with the opening of the first ever headquarters to be owned by our institution, it will be a day long remembered in the annals of history as we leave our legacy for future generations, said the Reverend Anderson. The development of a new administrative base is one of the most important projects ever embarked upon by the Imperial Grand Black Chapter. The project to transform um, a B1 listed building dating back to 1820 into a modern centre for the institution began in May 2020, but was delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It involved the sympathetic renovation of the historic property, purchased in 2017, which listed features restored to their original character. Founded in 1797, the institution was initially based in Dublin and Belfast, before becoming a tenant in Brownlow House Lurgan in the late 1920s. 
In 2019, the institution moved from Lurgan to temporary premises beside the Museum of Orange Heritage in Loch Gaul. Starting point for the Saturday's parade will be the junction of the Red Lion Road and Ballymagurney Road at 12 noon. Heading the procession will be the Imperial officers and guests, led by Moneyslain Flute Band, followed by Agivi R uh, RBP 843 and Brehe RBP 264, accompanied by Brehe Silver Band. The parade will proceed via the main street, past the headquarters and into the public park, kindly granted by Armagh City Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council. There will be a food village in the country park for both the institution and the public. The headquarters will be opened at 1pm by the Sovereign Grand Master and dedicated to Grand Chaplain Sir Knight Ca uh, Canon Will Murphy. The Leader's Legacy exhibition will be opened by Sir Knight Calvin Reid, followed by the unveiling of the bust of Sir Norman Strong by Brother James Kingan and Sir Knight Andy Gray and it will be dedicated by Grand Chaplain Sir Knight Nigel Reid. A service of worship will begin in the public park at 1.45 and the return parade starts at 3pm. Liz Moore's pupils got a lot of bottle for tackling garbage. NI Waters education team recently visited Craig Avon's Lismore Comprehensive School with a message on how to reduce the amount of single-use plastic bottles the team gave water bottles to all pupils and spoke to Key Stage 2 students about why they should refill a reusable bottle from the tap and reuse rainwater. NI Water also donated a water to Lismore for use in the school garden. Many schools are seeking to improve their outdoor learning environments to enhance pupil well-being and mental health alongside improving the sustainability of the school grounds a spokesperson said water are a great way to do this as they harvest rainwater which can then be used to water plants encouraging pupils to save water and look after the natural environment information on all of NY Water's key messages and campaigns can be found by logging on to www.niwater.com Union representatives are meeting on Thursday to discuss the next steps after last week's strike involving council staff, the Education Authority and the NIHE. Unite the Union said the Education Authority workers will continue their campaign until their pay is improved with further strike action on Friday, April the 1st. Armagh Banbridge Craig Avon Council apologised for the significant inconvenience to customers due to last week's strike and said that normal bin service had resumed. The council revealed that 15% of all bin collections had been missed out of a total of 144,120 due for collection. Unite General Secretary Sharon Green said, Working workers in local authorities, housing executive and education in Northern Ireland launched their campaign to win a decent pay deal with a powerful first week of strike action. If they don't want more of the same, these employers will have to come to the table with a realistic offer. The workers can count on my union's full support every step of the way. 
Lead Regional Officer for Education, Kieran Ellison, confirmed the strike would include his union's membership working in the EA. Given most of these workers are school bus drivers, it is likely that this strike action will result in considerable disruption to school transport. Full responsibility for this lies with the Education Authority, who have failed to make any response even after the first week of strike action. We are calling on them to come forward with a realistic pay offer. ABC Council said, A mop-up service is now uh, operational for black bins missed last week. Householders are advised to please leave uh, their missed residual bins out before 7am for collection as soon as possible between Wednesday the 30th of March and Saturday the 2nd of April. Household recycling centres are open as normal across the borough. We have now come to the end of our recording for this week. Our thanks to the team of volunteers who edited and recorded this week and to Mackles for collecting the Portadown Times and Lurgan Mail for us and to the Presbyterian Church for the use of the studio. Editing with me this week was William. Our technician was William. And reading with, this, with me this week were Carol and Nathan. From the newsroom at the Old Man's, this is Patricia signing off. You can also listen to us on Facebook if you go to www.facebook.com forward slash Craigavon Talking News. Thank you for spending time with us. All our good wishes for the week ahead. Our team will be back with you in four weeks' time. Please remember to return your wallet. Sound News is a Craigavon Talking Newspaper production.